Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. As the Second World War came to a close, United States President Truman declared a day of prayer. Why? Japan had already laid down her arms. The Second World War was over. But Truman said in his declaration of a day of prayer, our global victory has come with the help of God. Let us dedicate ourselves to follow in his ways. The help of God was needed then. The help of God is needed even more today. For we face battles on every hand. Unnamed forces, old, ancient foes have arisen. Those without, those within, hate, rage, bigotry. We need the help of the Almighty God to win this victory. Kingdom is rising against kingdom. We need a day of prayer. We're faced with a crossroads, revival or ruin. If we choose ruin, we will see this nation continue to crumble not perish from without, but from within. But if we choose revival, we will see this nation arise. When things seem the bleakest, when the outlook is the darkest, God has a way of sending light in the evening time. His word says the evening and the morning were the first day, that God does his best work in the evening time. And God signals a new day when the night seems to be enveloping our world. Someone once said that people in search of gold explored South America. People in search of God entered North America. America needs to return to God, not to gold. We need revival, not ruin. That's the choice. There will be no middle ground, no third way. We will either choose revival in this country or we will see America in ruins. In his book, Preparation for Pentecost, James Stewart described revival. He described it as the manifestation of the supernatural, the people of God filled with the presence of God. James Stewart called it the sovereign, supernatural, spontaneous moving of the Holy Spirit. Saints on their faces on behalf of lost souls. Saints on their feet racing to spread the good news. Backsliders restored to the thrill and to the joy of their first love. The breaking out of God's glory on every hand. The people of God living in the power of the unquenched Spirit of God. The church of God filled with the fullness of the Lord. The church crowded in the upper room waiting on the promises of heaven, an invasion of light of God into the darkness of this world. Stuart closed by saying, revival is our hearts filled with joy and our mouths filled with praise. That's our choice. It's either revival or ruin. The late Adrian Rogers once said, some have given up and say it's too late for America. I refuse to believe that because of the word thou. Psalm 85, 6, wilt thou not revive us again? If it depended upon us, indeed, it would be too late. 
But as long as there is a God, there is hope for America and for revival. That's my sentiment today on Daily Devotion. All of this week, I've been talking about one final awakening in America. I've not shirked my responsibilities to declare the whole counsel of God and to describe our situation accurately. But I want to hasten to add, so long as God exists, there is hope. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. I think back to Elijah's day. The nation was in bad shape. Ahab and Jezebel had loosed the moral moorings of God's people. Jezebel was busy silencing the voices of the prophets of the Lord. The days grew so dark that even Elijah believed he was the only voice left. But he later discovered that there were 7,000 people who still believed, who took a stand. God showed up and ruin was avoided. Revival came. If we choose to be silent, we choose ruin. If we choose to go along with the crowd, we choose ruin. If we don't teach our children the ways of God, we choose ruin. If we don't value marriage and the unborn generations, we choose ruin. If we don't lift up God's word as the lamp unto our feet, we choose ruin. When we ignore the needs of those around us, when we turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the hurts and the pains, we choose ruin. Revival always begins with God. When we turn to God with all of our heart, He can and will revive us. We need to cry out to God. It was revivalist J. Edwin Orr who wrote, Whenever God is ready to do something new with His people, He always sets them to praying. Do you believe that? I do. We see that in Scripture. When Israel cried out while in bondage, God heard their cries and brought deliverance. When Cornelius cried to God, revelation came. When God is ready to do something new, he sets his people to praying. Let me borrow two names from the two great awakenings in America's history, George Whitfield. Our forefathers came to America in search of spiritual freedom, but spiritual awakening and material pursuits don't coexist for very long. One usually outranks the other. God and mammon are not equal on the scales of human experience. Mammon became America's pursuit, and the early Protestants began to fade away. Increase Mather said in 1678, clear, sound conversions are no longer frequent. Many of the rising generations are profane, drunkards, swearers, licentious, and scoffers at the power of godliness. Look at a few of the prominent sermon titles during the next few decades. In 1700, Samuel Willard preached the perils of the times displayed. 1711, Stephen Buckingham preached the unreasonableness and danger of a people renouncing their subjection to God. In 1730, William Russell preached the decay of love to God in churches offensive and dangerous. Religious commitment and consecration had hit bottom early in the United States history. What could be done here? 
The answer came from a young man who attended Oxford University, George Whitfield. He would make 13 crossings of the Atlantic, a dangerous crossing at that time. Whitfield bridged the gap between the old and new worlds. He preached to kings on one side. He preached to slaves on the other side. He preached to small groups of people. He preached to thousands. Most of his messages were outdoors. Benjamin Franklin came under the spell of this great preacher. Franklin said that his voice commanded so much respect and carried so far that so many as 30,000 people could hear him at one time. I like what another person in the First Great Awakening said about what God does. Jonathan Edwards, time after time, when religion seemed to be almost gone, and when it was come to the last extremity, then God granted a revival. Revival. I choose revival. James McCready, in the late 1700s, as the westward expansion took place in the United States, Kentucky swelled in population. Frontier towns were rough, crude, devoid of God and churches. James McCready left a comfortable church in North Carolina and went to a place preachers referred to as Rogues Harbor in Logan County, Kentucky. They began praying and fasting. What was the result? Outdoor meetings, the camp meetings. One writer said that you knew when you were approaching one of those camp meetings where McGreedy was preaching. One observer said the noise was like the roar of Niagara at those meetings. People falling out under the power of the Spirit. And it all started with a covenant to pray. One man joined with a few other people and made a covenant. We will pray until revival comes. The lesson here seems to be, it does not take massive organization. It does not take a lot of planning and scheming. Someone just has to grasp it and claim it and say, I choose revival and not ruin. What can we learn from these two men and two great awakenings? That an awakening does not start with a committee. It does not start with an organization. It starts with an individual or a small group of people who seek the face of God, hear his voice, and respond. Here's what I see happening. We are focused in this time and in this era on the comparative and the superlative, that God is greater and greatest, more and most, swifter and swiftest. There's something called prevenient grace, the grace that goes before us that God gets there first. I believe God got to this day before we did. I love Exodus 1. It simply says this phrase, Joseph was in Egypt already. Before the famine, he was there. Before the need arose, he was there. And when desperate times appeared, Joseph got there first. Joseph is called the Jesus of the Old Testament. It's a quality of our Lord. He gets there first. John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But John the Revelator said he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before man sinned in the mind of God, a Lamb had already been slain. Jesus gets there first. Daily devotion family, before we entered into this crazy season, 
Jesus got here first. He inspected this moment. He examined it. He looked at it carefully and said, I'm going to leave enough grace for this day for my people to get through this time. I'm going to give my people enough strength to conquer and be victorious. God saw this day. He saw where we are. He knows the way that we take. And he's laid out a provision for us to get through this day. He's laid us out the provision to make this magnificent decision with America at the crossroads. Will we trust him and see an awakening? Will we look to him and see him make bare that right arm of great power? Or will we look to the arm of the flesh and will we trust in ourselves? We have a choice, revival or ruin. This is the day to take the road that leads to an awakening. This is the day to say America was founded on Christian principles. America has seen the hand of God time and again. Prior generations have seen the Lord move in a great way. I don't know why I feel impressed to say this at the close of this devotion, but I want to underscore this, embolden it in your mind. It's not too late. Don't you think it's over? We trust in the living God. Even though everything around us may bear no marks of life, our God is alive and God is at work in our land. And he is awaiting the cry of his people to say, Lord, I don't choose ruin. I choose revival. I choose you. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way. Until we meet again.